This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll be joined by Jay Bromley in a second. But I, this is now because it was such a serious and I couldn't really just go into it um, because of the topic that we had last hour. But once again, thank thank you, everybody who hit me up on Twitter for my belated birthday. My wife was shocked. Jeanette was like, oh, my God. Did you put a did you put an ad in Times Square to let everybody know it was your birthday? <laughs> no, I did not. I had to let them know, no, it wasn't for me. I didn't do that. I didn't do that, but it was very nice. And of course, my colleagues had a bunch of folks at the station did the same thing. So that was great. Vacation was very nice. Um, spent birthday and vacation away, and Jeanette planned some things for me that was really nice. I had a great dinner, great you know, great gifts. So uh, everything is great and well rested and ready to get back to work and. Uh, you know, have some fun with you guys here talking sports and all the things that are happening. And it's amazing because I just realized when I got back, I'm like, are they starting? It seemed like they didn't start training camp when I was covering the Jets until like the last day of July. And then you roll into August. Hey, training camp's in two weeks. <laughs> training camp starts in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, you know what? Time for me to check in with my guy, Jay Bromley, to see what's going on, what we can expect, because the NFL is always in the news. That's for one thing, right? So join me in saying hello and welcome back to my good friend, Jay Bromley, who covers the, uh, who does a great job covering the NFL whenever I call him and give me his thoughts. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hey, Larry, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. My pleasure, my friend. Jay, uh, let me ask you this. It's, it's July. When you were playing, you, you're looking at the calendar now. You know that training camp is coming up. It's, it's right there. How do you start to mentally get back? Because you've had, you know, you had the OTAs and you had all the, the, the mini camps and all that other stuff. But now this is reality. So how do you get yourself mentally ready for this grind that starts in July and goes through, hopefully, if you're lucky, February? Well, most guys, you know, after going through the preseason with the OTAs and the mandatory mini camps and really getting to know a lot of your team, some of the new rookies and things of that nature, if guys are going to take a vacation or something like that, they will take it now. I think this is a good opportunity, always a good opportunity for you to kind of get your mind away from the game for a little bit, right? Mm. So, you know, get a week or so with the family, really enjoy them, right? Because they're the reason you do it, right? You do it. I mean, you also do it for the guys in the locker room, right? You do it for the love of the game and obviously to take care of your family. So, you know, you kind of get that opportunity to do that, you know, in the, in the summertime when the weather's nice and all that good stuff. Uh, probably, you know, get away for a week or so, and then after that you probably start to really temper it down to understanding, hey, man, let me really get refreshed in my playbook. Let me make sure all the, you know, installs that we did in OTAs, making sure I got my calls right. Because, you know, when you get to training camp, they've done all the installs. They, they're going to kind of go back around to everything. But you really just want to – they're going to go fast. So since they're going to go fast, you want to make sure that you know everything, you're sharp with your, your, your understanding of the phrases, the terminology. So, man, just really just refreshing mental rep more than anything. Jay, what is this time like for rookies? What is this time like? Uh, I hear what you're saying about the veterans. You know, you're taking your time away and everything. But for, for a rookie, think back to your rookie year, you know, right out of Syracuse. And what was that like getting ready for your first training camp? What What's the thought process there? Maybe probably mental, like, you know, I guess some sort of mental anxiety, right? You don't really know what mm. to expect. 
you know you come from college, you come from everybody's college experience might be a little bit different, but man, you know, Syracuse put us through some, you know, drastic things, especially under Doug Marone. Like Syracuse is cold in the wintertime, but in the summertime it is blasting hot. So, you know, having those two a days, right? All those things, you know, kind of help prepare you, you know, coming from a hard-nosed environment like that. So you, you don't know what to expect, right? You, you don't know the rep situation. You don't know how often you're going to practice. Uh, so, like, you probably just want to get in there to kind of fill out how the day is going to be. Like, the days are so long. You don't even realize it. Like, in college, like, it, it's so – the day goes from, like, 8 in the morning to, like, 7, 8 o'clock at night in the league from the, when I started. So those days were crazy long, mentally draining, and then you're beat up and tired. Uh, there's nothing that can really prepare you as a rookie. You kind of just got to experience it. You, you, you got to go through it. <laughs> yeah, you got to go through it. <laughs> Jay Bromley is my guest. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Jay, let's talk a little NFL. Uh, let's talk about the Giants. Saquon Barkley's in a unique situation, right? And it's a situation where – it's a battle. It's a battle for respect from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. right? He is a guy who has who was the Giants' offense last season. Let's be honest. Along with mm-hmm. with, with, with he is the reason that Daniel Jones got paid the way Daniel Jones got paid. Uh, mm-hmm. And now he's in a situation where you gamble. Okay, he, he's a running back. Uh, we know that the NFL right now looks at running backs from a pay scale as uh, not not a big time investment. I can always get another running back that's faster, big. I'm you know there's a, I can always get another one. So the pay scale is not what it is for some of the other position premium what they're considered premium positions in the league. But he's loyal, and you're dealing with the giant hierarchy, Jay, as you well know. That's really loyal to their players. They really like to take care of their players. They really believe their players are family. I don't mm-hmm. see Saquon Barkley taking, uh, sitting out the season for this, but I know that he, if he had to do it all again, boy, he would have taken that deal <laughs> that they offered him earlier. Where do you see the mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley situation going? A and B, take me from the player's perspective as somebody in the locker room looking at how the Giants are dealing with Saquon Barkley. Oh, awesome. Um, as far as how what do I see it going, this can go one of, you know, a couple of different ways, right? It can get nasty, right? And it can draw out in the training camp where now there could potentially be fines, right? And and it just it's a relationship, right? So in any relationship, man, there's trust that's built, there's trust that's, you know, potentially destroyed. And, you know, ultimately they offered him one contract earlier and now this contract is different. Ultimately, you're telling me that I'm not as valuable as it was before. And this is the same Saquon Barkley, the one that takes a knee instead of scoring a touchdown, right? For your team's benefit, for the team's benefit. So he's doing that with thoughts in his mind that eventually they'll take care of me. But the NFL shows you over and over again that that's not the case, man. And, and it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So when you have an opportunity to rack your numbers up that are going to equal out to more ends on your contract, you probably should do it. Um, and, and that's probably, probably why I get into more of the player's perspective. Like you, you want, you think the loyalty and the culture is, is built, right? Uh, the coach, the ball and everybody in the organization from the Maras and the Tishes, like it is a family environment. It is, it does feel like that. They do a phenomenal job with how they treat players and 
and all the things that they do. But, you know, people become, you know, successful by being harsh businessmen. They don't get successful by being uh, giving out contracts that, that they just want to give out money and, and, and be expound in different areas. They look at the numbers, they understand the fields, they understand the position groups, and they look at how they can maximize right the, their, pro- their profits and their opportunities and ultimately their business. So that's what they're doing, right? They're maximizing that. Yeah, Saquon's great, and Saquon's a leader, and he has so many different intangibles that add to the team. But like you said, Larry, I can go get bigger, faster if I want to, right, for cheaper. So it ultimately comes down to how low you are, they, who's standing on the table for him in that room and saying, no, this train doesn't go without Saquon. And like you said, if it wasn't for the run game and the play action, where would Daniel Jones be? <laughs> right? So, so at, the end of, at the end of the day, that has to be accounted for too. Like, you know, if you, the things that he made happen. So I, I would like to believe that they would come to that conclusion by understanding and watching the film, looking at the numbers. But ultimately, man, this is, you know, shrewd businessmen are what you get when you get to the top of that line. And it doesn't always work out to the benefit of the player. Having not played, okay, been in locker rooms, but it's different. What, as you look at this, if you're a, a giant whose contract is coming up, and you're looking at this situation with Saquon. What what's going on in the back of your mind? You you understand the game. I think this is kind of like that vet talking to the rookie kind of thing, right? Mm. So you you get to see it played out in front of you. You, you know, the vet talks to the rookie about how he should carry himself, um, whether he's doing well or not doing well, right? Seeing how this is going to be reflected in, in how they look at him, you know, how they value him. You get to see this played out in real time. You get to see a, you know, what four top five pick, you know, uh, you know that goes through it, highs and lows, right, ebbs and flows, and then he helps lead, helps lead his team to the playoffs, right? Sacrifices his own stats for the betterment of the team, and then you get to see that how is that reciprocated? And this is in a, a team that has a family environment, right? This is a, this is this worst teams that you can be on that probably aren't going to be as you know. Don't take as much time <laughs> to have these conversations. They're going to move on. So, you know, maybe the time is probably consistent with the culture. So you, you got to, you, that's how you got to look at it. You know, look at it as, hey, man, this is a business. I need to, con- you know, conduct myself as a business. And I need to do, at certain points, I need to do what's best for me and my family. No doubt about it. How do you see the Giants uh, this year? Jay, looking at what they've added, they've done some things offensively. You know, got you know, if if Waller can be healthy, he's he's going to be a major asset as a tight end. Uh, the defense is always good, uh, and of course, you know, the pressure on Daniel Jones. Like you got a nice contract that you have to produce. So, how do you see this this Giants team in relationship to the division and the schedule? Where Jay, to be honest, they could be better than last year, but have a worse schedule. Yeah, all those all those things, you know, come into the factor. You know, so we, when I was playing, we always looked at things as quarters, right? So at the time, we had a pretty more even schedule, right, 16 games, so you can look at it as four quarters. And the goal was to win every quarter. And, you know, you had some quarters that were more difficult than others because of the people you were facing, right? So yeah, I think the goal is still the goal, man. Chop this thing up in the quarters. That's one thing that Coach Kaufman used to do an excellent job of and try to win and kind of you understand the games that you should win and you understand the games that are kind of like, you know, flip that coin in the air, this team is going to come with it. 
So that that's where the giant schedule is. Um, as far as what they've added, man, you, you you know you try to fortify your defense with a first round cornerback, right? You know you have some hit and misses there in the past recent drafts. You know you fortify your offensive line with a center, right? The guy that can make the signals, make the calls. Hopefully help Daniel Jones stay protected. And um, you know especially with that play action and the run game and things of that nature. And you add you know Jalen Hyatt where. He shows some phenomenal breakaway speed and ability. So those play action passes are about giving the quarterback more time and, and confusing the defense in order to get down the field. So those those key people right there will hopefully have immediate impact. And I know that's why they drafted him as high as they did. As far as Waller, man, I think he, like you said, if he's healthy, Titans are game changers, right? They're mismatches all over the field, right? They're easy targets. You see it with Lamar Jackson and Andrews in Baltimore. You see it with Kelsey. And 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 Mahomes, they're mismatches. They're not. There's no linebacker fast enough. There's no DB big enough. And those are just safety blankets for the quarterback. So if he can have that, if he develops that safety blanket with Waller, then that will you know make his growth exponential as far as his ability to you know produce and move the chains on third down. And other than that, the defense is always you know producing. That they're, they're front heavy, right? They have some dogs up front that can get after the quarterback, that can push the pocket. Uh, to pay those guys up front, so there's a lot of expectations there. And ultimately, they're going to have to cut down the amount of time that they're on the field, create turnovers, right, and give the offense as many possessions as possible to score that ball. Because Daniel Jones, as much as he's gotten paid, he hasn't proven he can go out there and throw for 20, 25 touchdowns, you know, and give you low turnover rate, right? and really control the game in that way. He's still There's still some question marks out on Daniel Jones that he has to prove in order to ultimately take this team to the promised land. Jay Bromley is my guest. Jay, let's go on the, uh, let's talk about the Giants' neighbor, their roommate, the New York Jets. Uh, when you looked at their defense last year and you saw the promise that it had, how do we? How should we look at them when we look at the last month of the season where they lost every game they played, uh, because they weren't as ag- aggressive, they weren't as successful. They had trouble getting off the field. They they just do we look at that as to say, okay, the offense was so bad they had so many snaps on the field they just weren't that good, or do we look at it to say, you know what, maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were, and how does that transcend into this year? I think that's interesting, right? Because ultimately, if you have a uh, you have a Bugatti, if you drive it for a hundred thousand miles, it ain't quite a Bugatti anymore, right? At least hmm. people aren't looking at it in that way. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it's so I think things go hand in hand. The help that offense does for defense and special teams and all that together, you need each other. If the offense is going three and out all the time because they can't they can't get a they can't get any rhythm any emotion man that takes a toll on the defense. If your defense is playing 70, 80 snaps a game, you can't expect them to keep offenses that are NFL offenses that have NFL talent talent and ability and coaches that are making adjustments. They're gonna find somebody, right, to get open. And then you got you add in busted coverages because of brain farts because people are tired and miscommunication. It's just a recipe for disaster. So I think that we can go off history and say that historically, when the Jets pretty much really come to play defensively, their offense has always been a question a lot of the time. So I would say if you give them Aaron Rodgers, who can control the ball more, you run that, you run that ball play action. You know, you, you use seven, eight minutes on the clock on your drives. That defense will start to look a lot better. You played against him. 
and I understand he's not the same Aaron Rodgers. He's he's older, but Jay, what makes him so good? What has made him be so successful? Is it the quick release? Is it mobility? What is it about Aaron Rodgers that has made him a future Hall of Famer? And can he still do that at this age? I think you know people forget what Peyton, how Peyton Manning helped Denver. Right, they forget how some of these older quarterbacks can go to these teams and bring that spark, and it's because of their IQ. It's because of their knowledge. Yeah, they can't throw the ball as far as they used to potentially. Yeah, they're a little more brittle than what they, what they were before. Right. All that being said, that brain didn't stop working. That ability to take these young guys and put them in a master class, right, and teach them how to run routes, how to get open, how to do this, how to do that. Man, it's going to it's going to expedite their growth. And that's why he's been able to do it for so long. I remember when I first, my, I remember when I was rookie year, and we used to watch film and it was a giant, and coach used to show us film versus the the Green Bay Packers, and we would watch JPP and them rushing the quarterback. And my coach would be like, "You got to hit him." <laughs> he was like, "You got to hit him because if you don't hit him, he's going to kill you." The only way that you ever affect him is if you hit him enough that disrupts some of his timing. You have to make him you know, guess. You got to make him jittery. You got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket because there's no throw that he can't throw. He'll, he will knock a fly off of a helmet at 40 yards. So you can't give him the time and space to do anything. His IQ is too well. He's, there's no defense that he hasn't seen. There's no alignment that he hasn't seen. And he still has the arm that's good enough to get it down the field. It's amazing. It, it is amazing what you what you had to say. And that's why, you know, the Jet fan, Jay, is like praying for this offensive line to keep him upright because if they're able to do that, he potentially could still be dangerous, right? No question. No question. Every, every quarterback, is the recipe is always typically the same. The recipe is hit them enough to make them to throw off the clock in their head. Get in their face, push the pocket up the middle so that they step on the offensive linemen are stepping on their feet. Get hands in their face, let the edge rushers hunt, right, and make them uncomfortable. You, you're not, you, you can't stop someone that can really be that accurate, like a Patrick Mahomes and, and those guys. You can't really stop them if you don't change their clock. You don't change the way they think. You don't make them feel you. Meaning, let their arm hurt a little bit. Let that leg hurt a little bit. Let them not feel the same when you plant your plant your knee and you and you are released. It sounds whatever, but this is why we play the game. It's a, it is a physical game, and you need to be physical to win. Jay, last thing before I let you go. Um, there's a story that's been breaking out of Northwestern about alleged hazing that's gone on that the coach Pat, Pat Fitzgerald knew about it. Um, just from your years in football, coming up, you know, from the time you played even in the National Football League, but especially through your college years, um, what is the rationale that we hear from coaches who think that, you know, uh, hazing and practices like that build team camaraderie? I mean, as a player, when, when you look back and you hear these stories, what goes through your mind? I've never understood it, Larry. Larry, I've never understood hazing. And, and from my understanding, hazing is like an, an over-exaggerated uh, thing to do to someone that's negative or potentially hurtful in order to make them feel more part. I never understood it. That's why I never joined fraternities. 
I've seen my I've seen teammates that did it that couldn't practice because they were sore. And I didn't understand how that made me closer to you. Like what made me closer to my teammates was me being on the field running three hundred one tens in the summertime and we all had to finish and me and coach saying if you if you step over that line, we're all gonna run another one. That was team accountability. That wasn't hazing. That was us being together doing the same exact thing, me side by side with you, not me making you do it, watching you suffer in any way. So I'll never understand hazing in general. Right. So so I, I can't I, I don't understand it as a as as a as a means to build anything. If you want to build something with someone, build it together. Show me how to do it. Walk me through it. That's going to build our relationship to make you my brother or my sister. So I honestly have, I think those people that, that do that, they have very low self esteem. They they have some type of phase gate in their mind that and it's historical, right? I went through it, so you have to go through it. Well, who's going to be the person to change? Who's going to be the person to say that you don't have to go through that in order to be there? Somebody has to do it. So I, that's how I feel about it. I, there's no room for it. I think it's disrespectful to people in general. And um, no matter whether it's, you know, in all levels, it's, it's you know, it, it shouldn't be done. Jay Bromley. My brother, always good talking to you, my friend. Uh, great perspective, and we'll talk down the line. Football, football season is just about here, so get ready. <laughs> Let's do it, Larry. Appreciate you, man. I right, appreciate you as well. Thanks, Jay. Jay Bromley, 1-800-919-3776. All right, Giant fans, want to hear from you. Training camp is coming. The deadline is right here. What do you think happens with Saquon Barkley? Also, Jet fans, did I see, while I was on vacation, did I see something where somebody saw Aaron Rodgers working out? And he looks great. <laughs> and what about Darwin Cook? Dalvin Cook, is he possibly a Jet? We'll talk football next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, most of the you know people involved with building the best possible team to win a Super Bowl, they kind of took their vacations, and now they're all just getting back to the office and really getting down to it and looking and evaluating the roster and saying, hey, you know, is this really the team that we want to go forward with that can give us the best opportunity to win? And as they evaluate that, and then as they evaluate, you know, outside options, that's when I think everything will happen. It's not as far as like why a decision has been made or why is he not signed or, or this and that. It's more so just as far as timing and when, you know, when it makes sense for everybody, for Dalvin to be, you know, a part of a new team. That's Zach Hiller, Dalvin Cook's agent, former running back of the Minnesota Vikings. Could be headed to Florham Park. Hmm. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 9870 ESPN. Uh, let's hear more from Zach Hiller. Uh, Zach is Cook being frustrated by this process of not signing anywhere yet. There's no stress or concern at all. Like, we have offers from multiple teams, all great situations, exactly where Dalvin would want to be. So there is no stress. There is no concern, you know. It's just when is the right time for him to, you know, officialize which team he wants to, you know, go for a Super Bowl with. So, yeah, there's no stress. There's no concern whatsoever. It's been really awesome. All the love from players on certain teams. His DMs are absolutely crazy right now. <laughs> just like, yo, we got this. Come get a ring. Like, it's amazing over here from, wow. from just, like, all these guys. And even the coaches just texting him and then the, the fans too on social media like he truly does appreciate that and appreciate the love and it's, it's great to see and that's it's all gonna go into the ultimate decision that he makes 
Zach Hiller is Darwin Cook's agent. He was speaking to Freddie Coleman on ESPN, and uh, Freddie asked him, so what does Cook want in his next team? He's looking for the team that he feels is right there. So they're right there, and then you bring in the ability to change the game with any snap. Like, it doesn't matter where you're on the field. You call the play, and Dalvin just makes one little slight cut, and he's gone. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between, you know, winning a Super Bowl and not winning a Super Bowl, right? And that's ultimately what he wants. He wants the team that he believes is right there, but that game-changing, like, any second home run player is really going to put them over the top. But much like Saquon Barkley... Darvin Cook is a running back. And so the price that he may want is not necessarily the price that he may get because of the running back position. Now, listen, he's been, and we hear from Jeremy Fowler, who was on Get Up last week, and he'll give us the latest. But there's been uh, there's been rumors of him going to all sorts of teams, and yes, the Jets have been one of them. And from the Jets' standpoint, they qualify as what Zach Hiller, Cook's agent, was saying as a team that's right there. They believe they are right there. With their defense coming back a year better with some adjustments, they believe they're right there. They believe with Aaron Rodgers, they're right there. Could he make a difference? Does he add the depth behind Brees Hall? Brees Hall was outstanding last year before the injury. He was a difference maker. We weren't talking Did we care about – well, let me put it this way. We knew that Zach Wilson wasn't playing that great, but with, with Brees Hall it was okay. <laughs> because they were scoring points and the defense was rolling. When he went down, it really torpedoed their season. It just did. But is he going to be that same guy coming back? I mean, I don't know. During workouts, he, he said all the right things. He says his speed is back. He says everything. But you just don't know, right? Do I think Dalvin Cook would be a, an asset to the Jets? Absolutely. You need as many weapons as possible for you to go on the journey to get to, to the Super Bowl, especially in the AFC, where there are at least seven teams who are, like, really, really good. <laughs> really, really good. A couple of them in your own division where you could just be either there or out of it. I mean, every game is a must-win and we joke about it in the NFL. We talk about, well, must-win game. This is a must-win game. This is a must-win game. Even though there are extra playoff spots in the AFC with the with the depth and talent there, I mean, you could have a great record and still be on the outside looking in. So every game is important. You have to hit the ground running. And if you, the more weapons you have, the more versatile you're going to be. So it's imperative. I think... They just need to roll the dice. They're getting everybody else. Why not make that move? Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, what do you think? Hey, what's happening, Ira? I think I catch up to you before a week and a half. It's hard to believe, right? Yeah, it is. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's really crazy. I'm not, not rushing the small way, but I can't wait till it gets here. Of course. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the cook thing, to me, I, I'm in, I've been crying for, for a couple of weeks now about this cook, and you hit every point. I mean, even if Hall is 99% ready, why would you want to give him a full workload at this stage of the game? You want him fresh and ready to go, you know, for that last six-week uh, stretch down down at the end of the season. A guy like Cook, you bring him in for the right price on a one-year prove-it deal, um, it's only going to make this team so much better. And to me, to me it's a no-brainer. 
it's probably going to end up between the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets if you go by the rumors you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, all Douglas has to do, and I told uh, Ty yesterday, all he has to do is watch Michael Carter fumbling when he was going near the end zone at Buffalo that would have either tied that game up or given them the lead. And that's what you're going to bank on. Nothing against Michael Carter. But I can add a guy like Cook, and you could kind of back off a Hall's um, development uh, with his injury. Uh, to me, it, it, it's a no-brainer. It, it, it should be done. And hopefully, listen, I give him a one-year, $5 million deal. I don't think he's going to get much more than that. What do you think? I agree with you, Ira. And I got to ask you this. Are you as surprised as I was that Michael Carter took such a step back last year? I was. I was very high on him after the first year. I, I don't know if it was an attitude situation. I don't know if it was a scheme. Fit. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't answer it, but um, I think he's better than what he showed last year. But you can't take those chances. And, mm-hmm. and I know this is really off the radar on most people, and we talked about the offensive line. But, mm-hmm. Larry, what are we going to do? Okay. Heaven help us if we get three or four weeks where Rogers has to sit out. You can't turn the keys over to Zach Wilson. I don't care if he lights up the preseason. Are you gonna Are you gonna bank on a team that's making a push to get to the Super Bowl, and you're gonna roll Zach Wilson in for a couple of games? I just can't see it. No, I can't see it either, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. And listen, I would be <laughs> if I have to put in if I have to take somebody out of the coverage and put an extra offensive lineman in. I would do it. <laughs> That's that's how desperate if you're if I was a Jets fan, that's how desperate I would be. Give me an extra old lineman and whatever I could do. Let me do. I'm I'm going with it. Let me do that. I, I don't care. I'll take somebody out of the. I'll take somebody out of the coverage. I'll take a running back out. Give me give me an empty backfield. I'm good. Give me an extra old lineman. I got to keep this guy upright because I have no faith in. Why would I have faith in Zach Wilson? The, because he could light it up on on practice. He could light it up. My concern is what he does when he gets on the football field. Legitimately, what will he do when he gets on the field and he's got that clock speeds up and he's got to make that decision. He's got to see the field. He's got to do different things. That's the big question. How's he going to respond to that? And maybe we're being unfair. But the bottom line here is we put all, in the words of the late Jim Fossil, the Jets put all their eggs in this Aaron Rodgers basket put all their cards on the table and they've shoved them into the middle of the table and they're going for it. And so every resource that you can make to make the job easier for Aaron Rodgers, that's what you have to do. If it means getting Dalvin cook with a 5.5 million laden with incentives, then for one year, then that's what you do. If it means you having uh, trying to get a, another offensive lineman somewhere. So you add depth because you've had an excessive amount of linemen go down during the regular season in consistent years, then that's what you have to do. Whatever it takes for you offensively to support you doing what you've done to bring Aaron Rodgers here, that's what you have to do. Because once again, In case you hadn't noticed, the AFC is loaded. Loaded. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. 
This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, most of the you know people involved with building the best possible team to win a Super Bowl, they kind of took their vacations, and now they're all just getting back to the office and really getting down to it and looking and evaluating the roster and saying, hey, you know, is this really the team that we want to go forward with that can give us the best opportunity to win? And as they evaluate that, and then as they evaluate, you know, outside options, that's when I think everything will happen. It's not as far as like why a decision has been made or why is he not signed or, or this and that. It's more so just as far as timing and when, you know, when it makes sense for everybody for Dalvin to be, you know, a part of a new team. That's Zach Hiller, Dalvin Cook's agent, former running back of the Minnesota Vikings. Could be headed to Florham Park. Hmm. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 987 ESPN. Uh, let's hear more from Zach Hiller. Uh, Zach is Cook being frustrated by this process of not signing anywhere yet. There's no stress or concern at all. Like, we have offers from multiple teams, all great situations, exactly where Dalvin would want to be. So there is no stress. There is no concern, you know. It's just when is the right time for him to, you know, officialize which team he wants to, you know, go for a Super Bowl with. So, yeah, there's no stress. There's no concern whatsoever. It's been really awesome. All the love from players on certain teams. His DMs are absolutely crazy right now. Hmm. Just like, yo, we got this. Come get a ring. Like, it's amazing over here from, wow. from just, like, all these guys. And even the coaches just texting him and then the, the fans too on social media like he truly does appreciate that and appreciate the love and it's, it's great to see and that's it's all going to go into the ultimate decision that he makes zach hiller is darvin cook's agent he was speaking to freddie coleman on espn and uh freddie asked him so what does cook want in his next team He's looking for the team that he feels is right there. So they're right there, and then you bring in the ability to change the game with any snap. Like, it doesn't matter where you're on the field. You call the play, and Dalvin just makes one little slight cut, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between, you know, winning a Super Bowl and not winning a Super Bowl, right? And that's ultimately what he wants. He wants the team that he believes is right there, but that game-changing, like, any second home run player is really going to put them over the top. But much like Saquon Barkley... Darvin Cook is a running back. And so the price that he may want is not necessarily the price that he may get because of the running back position. Now, listen, he's been, and we hear from Jeremy Fowler, who was on Get Up last week, and he'll give us the latest. But there's been uh, there's been rumors of him going to all sorts of teams, and yes, the Jets have been one of them. And from the Jets' standpoint, they qualify as what Zach Hiller, Cook's agent, was saying as a team that's right there. They believe they are right there. With their defense coming back a year better with some adjustments, they believe they're right there. They believe with Aaron Rodgers, they're right there. Could he make a difference? Does he add the depth behind Brees Hall? Brees Hall was outstanding last year before the injury. He was a difference maker. We weren't talking Did we care about – well, let me put it this way. We knew that Zach Wilson wasn't playing that great, but with with Brees Hall it was okay (laughs) because they were scoring points. And the defense was rolling. When he went down, it really torpedoed their season. It just did. But is he going to be that same guy coming back? I mean, I don't know. During workouts, he he said all the right things. He says his speed is back. He says everything. But you just don't know, right? Do I think Dalvin Cook would be an asset to the Jets? Absolutely. You need as many weapons as possible for you to go on the journey to get to to the Super Bowl, especially in the AFC, where there are at least seven teams who are, like, really, really good. (laughs) 
really, really good. A couple of them in your own division where you could just be either there or out of it. I mean, every game is a must-win. And we joke about it in the NFL. We talk about, well, must-win game. This is a must-win game. This is a must-win game. Even though there are extra playoff spots in the AFC with the with the depth and talent there, I mean, you could have a great record and still be on the outside looking in. So every game is important. You have to hit the ground running. And if you, the more weapons you have, the more versatile you're going to be. So it's imperative, I think, to just need to roll the dice. They're getting everybody else. Why not make that move? Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, what do you think? Hey, what's happening, Larry? I think I catch up to you before. A week and a half, it's hard to believe, right? Yeah, it is. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's really crazy. I'm not, not rushing the small way, but I can't wait till it gets here. Of course. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the Cook thing, to me, I, I mean, I've been crying for, for a couple of weeks now about this Cook, and you hit every point. I mean, even if Hall is 99% ready, why would you want to give him a full workload at this stage of the game? You want him fresh and ready to go, you know, for that last six-week uh, stretch down down at the end of the season. A guy like Cook, you bring him in for the right price on a one-year prove-it deal, um, it's only going to make this team so much better. And to me, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's probably going to end up between the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets if you go by the rumors you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, all Douglas has to do, and I told uh, Ty yesterday, all he has to do is watch Michael Carter fumbling when he was going near the end zone at Buffalo that would have either tied that game up or given them the lead. And that's what you're going to bank on. Nothing against Michael Carter. But I could add a guy like Cook, and you could kind of back off a Hall's um, development uh, with his injury. Uh, to me, it, it, it's a no-brainer. It, it, it should be done. And hopefully, listen, I give him a one-year $5 million deal. I don't think he's going to get much more than that. What do you think? I agree with you, Ira. And I got to ask you this. Are you as surprised as I was that Michael Carter took such a step back last year? I was. I was very high on him after the first year. I, I don't know if it was an attitude situation. I don't know if it was a scheme. Fit. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't answer it, but um, I think he's better than what he showed last year. But you can't take those chances. And, mm-hmm. and I know this is really off the radar on most people, and we talked about the offensive line. But mm-hmm. – Larry, what are we going to do, okay? Heaven help us if we get three or four weeks where Rodgers has to sit out. You can't turn the keys over to Zach Wilson. I don't care if he lights up the preseason. Are you going to bank on a team that's making a push to get to the Super Bowl and you're going to roll Zach Wilson in for a couple of games? I just can't see it. No, I can't see it either, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. And listen, I would be, if I have to put in, if I have to take somebody out of the coverage and put an extra offensive lineman in, I would do it. <laughs> that's that's how desperate, if you're, if I was a Jet fan, that's how desperate I would be. Give me an extra old lineman, whatever I could do. Let me do, I'm, I'm going with it. Let me do that. I, I don't care. I'll take somebody out of the, I'll take somebody out of the coverage. I'll take a running back out. Give me, give me an empty backfield. I'm good. Give me an extra old lineman. I got to keep this guy upright because I have no faith in Zach. Why would I have faith in Zach Wilson? The, because he could light it up on, on practice. He could light it up. My concern is what he does when he gets on the football field. Legitimately. What will he do? 
when he gets on the field and he's got that clock speeds up and he's got to make that decision. He's got to see the field. He's got to do different things. That's the big question. How's he going to respond to that? And maybe we're being unfair. But the bottom line here is we put all, in the words of the late Jim Fossil, they just put all their eggs in this Aaron Rodgers basket, put all their cards on the table, and they've shoved them into the middle of the table. And they're going for it. And so every resource that you can make to make the job easier for Aaron Rodgers, that's what you have to do. If it means getting Dalvin Cook with a $5.5 million laden with incentives then for one year, then that's what you do. If it means you having uh, trying to get a, another offensive lineman somewhere, so you add depth because you've had an excessive amount of linemen go down during the regular season in consistent years, then that's what you have to do. Whatever it takes for you offensively to support you doing what you've done to bring Aaron Rodgers here, that's what you have to do. Because once again, in case you hadn't noticed, the AFC is loaded. Loaded. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Jets have done their homework on Dalvin Cook. They're in the mix, but a lot of teams are. Several teams in the AFC East are vying for his potential services. Quinn and Williams, that's been slow on the contract extension front. So they have an issue potentially at training camp. They don't get it done by then. He's a top five defensive tackle, so he is a priority. They got some players that they could ask to take pay cuts. They also have to rework Aaron Rodgers' contract. He's due $107 million in cash. In 2024, that's untenable. So expect them to rework that money, maybe even to reflect a two-year commitment from Rogers. It's the Larry Harsey Show here on 98.7 ESPN. That's Jeremy Fowler bringing us up to date on what's going on with Darvin Cook. And here's the thing. He is a 1,000% right. What is going on with this Quentin Williams situation? This should be done. This should have been done already. This should have been done. You know, I had the conversation with Jay Bromley about what does this look like in the locker room with problems of getting this done with Saquon Barkley. What does this look like for the Jets? Here's one of your here's one of the few draft choices that you are ready to sign a second contract to. And it's not done yet? I mean, come on, Joe Douglas, you gotta get on the ball with this. This cannot be an issue. You cannot be starting training camp, okay, and he not be there because of because of the fact that he's not signed. That, that's inexcusable. Let's get this done. This is a bad optic. It really is. This kid is produced. He's done everything you asked of him. He's been dominant on that line. Even when they, even when nothing was really going right for them, he's been dominant. He deserves the contract. Pay him. Pay him. Corey's in Edison. Corey, you're next on ninety-eight-seven. Hey, thanks for You got it, Corey. What's up? Corey, you there? All right, Corey. Something wrong with your line? Call us back. Uh, but no, give me a break. You got to get that done. 
I mean, really? That's a no-brainer for me. I thought this would have been done by now. Very surprised. But they got a week and a half to get it done before training camp. And remember, they're, they're early because they have the Hall of Fame game. So they're earlier than a lot of other folks. So they have to go on and, and see what they're going to get done here. Uh, but, you know, for me, obviously, it's, it's ultimately, it's a lot of things for the Jets this year. And all eyes are on them. And yet we talk about the offensive line, and that is huge. But when we've, we've spoken about it over and over and over again. And this is about, this is going to be about Robert Sala and his coaching staff, ultimately. Because it's, it's going, it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers' fault if this team doesn't make it to the postseason. It ultimately is going to fall on Robert Sala, the head coach. It is. So the pressure's on he and his coaching staff. And we hear a lot, especially during the bye week, about self-scouting, right? And so I think that's one of the things that they need to improve on is that self-scouting part. What are the things that caused you to struggle in your first two years here? What are the things that caused you to not be as crisp as you want it to be? What are the things that caused you not to bring the, the execution in practice on into a game? What are, what are the reasons that caused you to not efficiently and correctly make adjustments in a timely manner against teams that caused you to lose a couple of points before you made that adjustment. So he and his staff, and I, I'm sure he knows this. It's, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know. But they really have to do an unbelievable job in looking at and seeing what adjustments they can make to what they've done already. The positives and the negatives. I mean, it's easy to do the positives. But once again, you understand that the positives work, but now people have figured that out. So you have to look at that and say, oh, how can we get better at this? We did a really good job at this. How do we get better? We did a really poor job at this. How do we get better? And that's what's incumbent upon Robert Sala this year. It's incumbent upon it because no matter what happens, it's his fault if they don't get to where they got to go. And he's going to be the one that's going to be shown the door. It is. You know, Joe Douglas, I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, he, he brought Aaron Rodgers here. So, you know, he's got the past uh, uh, offensive and defensive rookies of the year. So, you know, he, he's good. I think. So, ultimately, it, it's Robert Sala. It, it's him. So, for his sake, that's what he needs to do to be successful this year. Go over everything. And add the little things. It's because usually the big things are handled. It's the little things that kill you. It's the little details that kill you. It's the self-inflicted wounds that kill you in, in the most inopportune moments. That's where you have to really tighten up. And the pressure is, right, 
to make sure that it's second nature for you to do these things because you're already feeling the pressure of more national exposure. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to have more four o'clock games than they've had probably in a decade. <laughs> serious. They probably are. It may not even be close. So with all the scrutiny, all the pressure, all that, to be able to just function, not think, but react, that's going to be the key thing for the Jets this year. So as the Giants are concerned, listen, for me, all eyes are on Daniel Jones. A lot has been made about this contract. A lot has been made about the lack of situation now contractually with Saquon Barkley. The Giants have done what they needed to do. They've added some weapons to him offensively. They've added some receivers. Waller at the tight end, we've said it over and over again. If he stays healthy, he is a top four tight end in the the, the NFL. Top Top four or five tight end if he stays healthy. He's a difference maker. The offensive line was better last year. They need some, you know, they need to take that next step. Defensively, I think, listen, I think they'll be good with uh, Wink Martindale over there calling the plays. He does a nice job. He does a nice job with scheme. He does a nice job pressuring the quarterback. He does a nice job blitzing. He he does a really good job. Okay, Brian Dable, we've seen what he's able to do offensively. Special teams were good. I mean, this team is not a bad football team. This team should be pretty good. They should be pretty good. So the question for them is, Okay, staying away from injury and just making sure they handle their business in their division because they're in a division where you could argue Dallas is really good and Philly went to the Super Bowl last year and they're coming back and they're coming back ready. So these are the challenges that the Giants have. A lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to show that he can, can he get the ball downfield and not turn it over as he's done in the past. Is that, can he do that? That's going to be the major question about Daniel Jones this year. Corey's back from Edison. He's next on 98.7. What's up, Corey? Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking call again. You got it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, you were talking earlier about Zach Wilson as a backup. You know, that could be a disaster. I, you know, obviously, we saw him play last year. It could be a problem. But I don't, I don't think any backup back quarterback in the league is really, you know, um, something anyone's hanging their hat on. So I don't think it's a big deal. I think if, if Brees Hall is healthy, Godwin Cook's healthy with the receivers we got it, we're in a four-game stretch, he can, we can still go 3-1 and one with Zach Wilson. Because like you said, when Brees was healthy, it made us forget that Zach Wilson wasn't playing that well. So I think uh, with our defense and with, those, with the weapons, we can do it again. Thanks. All right, Corey. Thanks for the phone call. A, you don't have Dolphin Cook yet. B, Yes, he played well without him, but here's the question. Until he proves himself, he being Zach Wilson, if I'm a defense, what am I doing? I'm putting 10 in the box. I'm forcing you to throw. I'm going to make it so you can't run the ball because I'm thinking, okay, is he going to be able to make that decision? Is he going to be able to get the ball out? Or do I load the secondary, flood the secondary with, with, with defenders where he's got nobody to throw to. I, I just, until he proves, Corey, and you're right, there's, there's, there's not great backup quarterbacks, but when you look at how badly he played, and Corey, I'm not trying to, you know, bring this up again for him. It's hard. 
But Corey, he was not benched. He was declared inactive. They wouldn't let him put a uniform on, not once, but twice last season. Am I to think that he's gone from that to be that great of a backup that I rely on him to perform? We'll continue next on 98.7 ESPN.